Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young-onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader? Audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. In the last podcast, I previewed this episode by saying it would be about Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks and how the view of them as a departure from the teams that have won championships recently is not exactly on the money. One because the Bucks owners invested a lot of money to put this roster together, more than some recent championship teams. I do hope to get to all that in an upcoming episode. But for now, I want to focus on Team USA losing to France in its opening game in the Tokyo Olympics, because it's more timely and top of mind. I'm co-hosting Speak for Yourself all week this week, and one of the questions we're going to discuss is whether or not we were surprised that Team USA lost. I'll give you a sneak preview of my answer. Going into the game, I would not have been surprised. Going into the last few minutes, I was shocked. Damian Lillard turning the ball over by passing up an open look to try to swing the ball to Zach Levine, Kevin Durant missing two wide-open threes from the arc, and Drew Holiday missing an equally wide-open one from the corner. All of that and a few more unlikely events happened in the final minutes for France to pull the upset. I've talked about this some in previous podcasts, as Team USA lost its first two exhibitions to Nigeria and Australia, and then beat Argentina and Spain. But it bears repeating here. It takes more than assembling a cast of all-stars and getting them to play hard for the U.S. to win games in international competition. In case anyone has forgotten, Team USA lost to France in the quarterfinals of the World Cup two years ago. 
This France team returned the core of that team. Evan Fournier, Rudy Gobert, Nicholas Batum, and Nando DiColo. Only Jason Tatum and Chris Middleton returned from Team USA in 2019. Tatum was on the team but did not play against France, and Middleton was no better in this game than he was in that one. This Team USA is essentially starting from scratch. The heart of why Team USA lost this game is that France played old-school NBA basketball, running offensive sets through a posting big man. They have three seven-footers on their roster, and two of them were on the floor almost the entire second half. It has been so long since any NBA team played that way that there is no one on the roster who is skilled at it. And trust me, it is very much a skill. Knowing how to play angles, how to force a big into his least favorable shot, or catching the ball just out his co- outside his comfort zone, it takes practice, and the NBA does not provide it. The best post defenders on the squad are Draymond Green and Bam Adebayo, which is why Pop started them. That's Greg Popovich, head coach of this Team USA, along with the San Antonio Spurs. But Bam is still developing in that area, and Draymond isn't what he was three years ago. He can still do it in spurts, but not for every minute he's on the floor. The other problem is that Draymond isn't the offensive threat he was three years ago either, where he could take bigs out to the three-point line and take them off the dribble for floaters or the occasional three-pointer. He took one shot against Team France, a driving layup at the start of the game, and he made it. Two points. That's it. He's valuable for his playmaking and his general basketball IQ. He did have a team-high four assists and no turnovers, and I'd still want him on this roster, but he's being asked to do way too much. The problem is, I don't see anyone on the roster capable of picking up the slack. This is the other element about international basketball that is completely different from the NBA. You're allowed to set punishing screens off the ball in international play, where in the NBA, you are not. I don't know that this roster has the bodies to set those kind of screens, but no one even tried. You can't do it on pick and roll screens or defending the post, which is where KD got in trouble. But off the ball, it's open season. If you want to blame Pop for that, have at it. Just know that Mike Krzyzewski didn't have to worry about that because he had ball hawks creating problems that didn't allow the ball to get into the post half the time anyway. Here's the other thing I know about those Coach K teams because I talked to the players on them. The leadership to play stifling defense came from the leaders on the floor. Pop isn't getting that from Lillard or Levine. Kevin Durant was the third big in essence with Bam and Draymond in the rotation against France. And he paid the price by being in foul trouble the entire game and ultimately fouling out. Playing one of the power positions is not new to KD, but having to do it matched up against a seven-footer is. I spoke with an NBA coach earlier who has extensive experience coaching international basketball. He's not on the current staff, but he knows what this team is up against. And that includes the fact international referees don't give a bleep that the USA is chock full of players known around the world. They're not giving KD the benefit of the doubt. 
The coach I spoke with believes international refs take a certain pleasure out of officiating NBA stars a little tougher than they're accustomed to. An NBA ref surrounded on a daily basis by the attention and deference afforded NBA stars can't help but be affected by it. KD pointing out to an NBA ref that he's being played unfairly by a lesser player is likely to pay dividends. There's no chance of that in international competition. That requires KD to play smarter and Team USA to play harder, and neither he nor they did that against France. My guess is that because they led most of the game, they got lulled into thinking they were okay. The game might be close, but in spite of their shooting problems, and KD was 4 for 12, Lillard was 3 for 10, and Tatum was 3 for 9, they led by 7 at halftime. Even after France punished them with the switch to the twin, twin tower strategy in the third quarter, outscoring them 25 to 11, Team USA had rebuilt their seven-point lead with less than three and a half minutes to play. But their lack of familiarity and inability to make a wide-open shot did them in at the end. France scored twice on the same inbound play from under their own basket down the stretch, though the breakdown was different. In one, Bam got caught ball-watching, standing in no-man's land instead of preventing a pass to the corner for a three by his man. Batum. The second time, Zach Levine got hung up on a screen and called for a switch, but Bam reacted too late and Fournier hit a jumper from the same spot. It was ruled a two only because he had a toe on the line. Team USA still had a two-point lead and Adebayo could have made it four, but then he missed a pair of free throws. Rudy Gobert answered by making one of two, cutting the lead to one. Then the real craziness ensued. The NCAA tourney type of craziness where we get upsets by 12 seeds beating fives. Gobert drove on KD and threw up a wild runner that banked off the glass without touching the rim. Gershon Yabaselli tracked down the loose ball and saved it from going out of bounds by flipping it back to Fournier, wide open for a three, which he drained giving France the lead 76-74 with just under a minute to play. Even with all that, the game was still there to be won. KD missed a wide-open three that would have put Team USA back ahead. Bam missed the putback of that miss and then got tied up for a jump ball. Possession arrow in favor of Team USA, giving the ball back to them for another crack at it. Or multiple cracks. Levine missed a jumper. Bam, trying to make up for his lack of execution with pure effort, ripped the rebound out of Thomas Hurdle's hands and kicked it back out to KD for yet another wide-open three. He front-rimmed it. Lillard pulled down the rebound and swung it to Holiday for a wide-open three in the corner. That rimmed out. With less than 23 seconds left, Team USA was now forced to play the foul and hope for misses strategy. And France did not miss from the free throw line. Final score, 83-76. Pop's strategy really wasn't any different than the one employed by Coach K over the last decade and a half. Switch everything on defense. Use Team USA's unparalleled length and athleticism to pressure the hell out of the ball. 
and create turnovers for runouts. It wasn't about offensive execution. It was all about smothering defense. Now, Coach K had the benefit of a USA program that had been embarrassed by not meddling in the 2004 Olympics, then losing the World Cup title to Argentina in 2006. Coach K presided over that loss, by the way, despite having LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, Chris Paul, and Carmelo Anthony on that squad, all in their prime. That begat the, the Redeem team, led by Kobe Bryant setting the tone on defense. The program enjoyed a level of continuity not seen before or since. LeBron, Kobe, Wade, and Paul were on both the 2008 and 2012 teams, with Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis joining the party in 2012. KD and Mello were joined by Jimmy Butler, Clay Thompson, Kyle Lowry, Paul George, and Draymond in 2016. A team with not quite as much offensive firepower, but loaded with some of the best defenders in the league. You want to know why Drew Holiday came in and immediately stood out as arguably Team USA's best player against France with a team-high 18 points, 4 assists, and 7 rebounds, despite coming off the bench and arriving in Japan 24 hours earlier? Because he played the same way he did in helping the Bucks beat the Phoenix Suns for the NBA title in 6 games. He went out and played as if it were Game 7. The bigger issue facing USA basketball in general is that because of how the NBA game is played and has been for the last decade, we don't have any quality American-born bigs. The closest thing we have are Anthony Davis and Carl Anthony Towns, and neither of them was available. For a second, I thought, Team USA invited the wrong Suns player to the squad. They should have taken DeAndre Ayton, not Devin Booker. But then I remembered Aiton is from the Bahamas. In spite of all that, I don't see this loss as a harbinger that Team USA can't still win gold. But they have to understand that for all their firepower, they're going to have to play with the defensive chip on their shoulder that the previous three Olympic teams played with. I get the sense that winning those three golds in a row, we've lost our edge. We've lost the idea that we need to play harder than anybody else because everybody else is looking to take us down. And because we're not going to get the favors that a lot of our star players are accustomed to in the NBA. They're going to have to have the mindset that the world is not looking to embrace them for being world-renowned stars, but wants to see them be humbled. If they didn't know that already, they sure as hell should know it now. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It is very much appreciated. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I have. This podcast has climbed the charts and is now top 10 when it comes to basketball all time. That is because of you, and I thank you for your patronage. I don't know if I'm going to get to the Bucks topic in the next episode either, because I'm hearing some rumors about where Ben Simmons may be headed, and I have a theory and a strategy 
for turning Ben into the superstar player that he's getting paid to be. We'll explore all that in the next episode. Possibly. It's either that or the Bucks. We'll see where it goes. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 